Hey, it's Michelle Siraki with Pitbull Advocates of America, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that this inspires you and challenges you, and I hope that it equips you to attach action to your advocacy. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome to the brand spanking new Pitbull Advocates of America podcast. I'm so excited to be recording this. My name is Michelle Siraki, and I am your host. I am geeking out a little bit here, so if everyone could just bear with me for a few minutes, this is just such an exciting moment for me. I've been wanting to do this podcast for probably like nine months, and it's finally here, and I am so incredibly excited to be in my little homemade podcasting studio looking like a total derelict, but nobody can see me, so that's thrilling too. I hope that you are as excited to be listening as I am to be recording this for you, because it is super duper exciting. If you're not that excited yet, I really think that once you get to know Pitbull Advocates of America and once you join us for a few of these podcasts, I think that you're going to be just as excited as I am. The goal here is to get you excited and to fill you with hope and to inspire you to go out and elevate the advocacy that you're doing because let's be real we really need to raise the bar on our advocacy standards in this country a ton and when we do we're going to see miraculous things happen for dogs that are perceived as pit bulls the last 20 years have been so great and we've seen so many awesome changes and so many great things happen But we know that there is still so much left to do and the job ahead of us is still such a daunting task. And one thing that we've definitely learned in the last 20 years is what really works in advocacy and what really doesn't, you know, what what kind of shoots us in the foot. We want to get rid of those things. So elevating our advocacy so that we can be more efficient and more effective effective advocates. That's what Pitbull Advocates of America is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So if that is what you're here for, you are totally in the right place. And if you're not as excited as I am right now, I really hope that you will be soon. And I think that you absolutely will. This is our introductory episode, our very first episode. And I feel like there's probably a lot of listeners that are listening to this that have been hanging out with people advocates of america for many years that have been supporting us for many years our old school pit group peeps that are out there i feel like you know on the day that we are releasing this you all are probably the ones that are listening my hope is that more and more and more and more and more people are going to find out about this podcast and this might be their very first introduction into the whole organization that you might be listening and this might be the first time that you've really engaged with Pitbull Advocates of America. And so for that reason, we definitely need to give some background. I don't want you to not know where we came from, where we've been, what we've been up to, 
how we got here. So for our old school peeps, this is the beauty of a podcast, right? If you want to fast forward a few minutes and not hear the history that you either lived through or have heard at a seminar or have heard at an event, go right ahead. This will probably, you know me, I will probably talk about this for the next 10, 15 minutes. So, but you could definitely skip forward a little bit. But we do need to talk about some history. And I really just want to give you the background because it obviously is a huge part of my heart and my soul. Back in 2002, August 27th of 2002, an adorable little floppy-eared, red-nosed, actually red-nosed, doesn't matter to me at all, but little red-nosed, red-coated American Pitbull Terrier was born, and he ended up being named Capone when he became part of my family. I didn't know anything about Pitbull type dogs back in 2002. I didn't know anything about animal welfare. I hadn't volunteered in a shelter. I was an insurance agent and I was newly married and had one daughter and I was just kind of living my own life and doing my own thing. And my husband at the time wanted us to have, we had a dog, we had a Rottweiler and he wanted us to have another dog so that Onyx, our Rottweiler, could have a buddy. It didn't really matter to me what kind of dog we got. I was going to love it no matter what it was. So I just said, okay, you know, like whatever you find, you just go right ahead. So remember now, I didn't know anything. Okay. I didn't know anything about anything. And this is like advocacy 101 because so many people that get dogs that are perceived as pitbulls, they don't know anything either. And that's not their fault. And it is okay. But before you start raining down judgment, I just want to let you know, I didn't know anything. So my husband was looking through the paper. We were looking for a reputable breeder. If you could see me using my air quotes, you would understand. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many reputable breeders, you know, I, I just wish that that breeders would stop breeding any type of animal at all for like five or 10 years and just let us catch up so that there wasn't so much homelessness. But that's a whole different podcast. So that's what he was doing. He was looking in the paper and he was trying to find a quote unquote reputable breeder where we could go and get a pit bull with papers. Ooh, because we got to have the papers, right? And we actually had originally, when we started talking about this then, thought that we were going to have the time and the money and the talent to make him a show dog. So I guess we needed those papers if we wanted to do that. So we found this breeder and we went and we met the mom and we met the dad and we picked out Capone. And eight weeks later, we were able to bring him home. So thing that I did wrong, number one, ding, 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 I, I bought a dog from a breeder. If that makes you want to turn off the podcast, then you're probably not cut out for advocacy. And, and that is okay, because people make mistakes. And, and as a really great advocate, we need to embrace that. And we need to be compassionate to it so that we can talk to the person and help them to not make that mistake again. I've never bought another dog from a breeder, everybody, okay? It's never, never, ever happened again. So obviously I learned something, and that is what the whole goal is, is as an advocate is for us to teach people things. 
So I did so many more things wrong. You guys, the story doesn't end there. So I got him from a breeder. We wanted him to look traditional. So we cropped his ears. I mean, absolutely send your hate mail to Michelle at pippleadvocates.org. But again, this was 20 years ago and I wouldn't do it again. I don't need my dogs to be any type of cosmetic anything for me, but I didn't know. I just, I didn't know. Then I didn't neuter him. That was because we were going to show him, not necessarily because we were going to breed him. We never did breed him. So at least I didn't make that mistake. Yay. Yay. But I didn't neuter him because we were going to show him. Fast forward, we got this dog. I was pregnant with my second daughter when we got him. And my in-laws, this was going to be their very first and only grandchild. My in-laws stopped talking to us for two years because we got a pit bull. This was my first moment where I realized that pit bulls were not apparently were were the devil's spawn. Apparently these dogs were a big problem and I had no idea. I really didn't. I was completely and totally ignorant to anything that had to do with animal welfare and anything that had to do with pit bulls. But it caused a huge problem in my family. Like I said, to the point where my in-laws didn't talk to us for two years. They gave up two years of their first grand and only grandchild's life because of a pit bull. We lived in a small suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And when we would go out to walk Capone, we would get swore at. If I was pushing the stroller and walking Capone, I would get told that I was an abusive parent. I was a terrible parent. I should be in jail for child abuse. People would consistently move to the other side of the street. It was absolutely heartbreaking and mind-blowing behavior to me. It was just mind-blowing. I had no idea that this was something that was going to happen when we got this dog. And it was really hard. And I felt really alone. And some of our friends stopped wanting to visit us. And it was just, it was a really overwhelming, crazy time. Obviously, it was really, really hard. Then, after a couple of years, Capone hit maturity at about 22 months, 24 months. And he decided that anything with that was furry and had four legs, he didn't want to be around. He didn't care for that. He became very reactive and aggressive toward other animals. And guess what? We screwed up again. Da, 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 da. We did the exact thing that you shouldn't do when you have an animal that's fearful toward other animals or showing you know aggression toward other animals when you're not sure why it is. We removed him from every single possible animal that was out there. So I walked him at either five o'clock in the morning or at midnight when there were no other animals around and we just didn't interact and we removed him completely from anything that could possibly cause him to act um, inappropriately. So instead of dealing with the behavior, we just removed the trigger. Definitely wouldn't do that again, right? I didn't need to live like that for the next six years. 
But I didn't know. Again, I, I didn't, I had no idea. I didn't know. Let's fast forward. Like I said, about six years. We're at 2008 now. Capone is six years old. He's been living as an only dog since 2004, so for about four years. And he was still, if he ever did see another dog or cat or squirrel or anything, he would absolutely flip out. But we were dog people and we really wanted him to have a buddy. And we thought if he could possibly get over this, that he would probably really enjoy having a buddy. And we felt like it made practical, rational sense that he should be able to get over it. He lived with a dog before that. He didn't have this problem. There must be something that we can do to modify his behavior. So we started calling trainers and calling, you know, classes and whatnot. And we got swore at when we said, oh, we have a pit bull and he's aggressive toward other dogs and we're looking for some help. We got hung up on. We got told that there was room in the class until they found out that he was a pit bull. And then there wasn't room in the class all of a sudden. So that was really challenging and really sad. You know, it was more more sadness. Sometimes being a pit bull owner can be a really sad, lonely place to be in life. And that's definitely exactly where we were. So in a last ditch effort to try to find someone, anyone to help us, we went to Craigslist, which you guys, 2008, it wasn't nearly as yucko as it is now. So you don't have to judge me super hardcore on that, just like mildly judged. So we went to Craigslist and we put an ad in the pet section in August, at the end of August, I believe of 2008. And our ad said that we had a pitbull type dog that was aggressive toward other dogs and that we were looking for help with changing his behavior. We got 79 replies to that ad in less than three days. That's a lot of replies. And not one, not one of the 79 replies was offering to help us with Capone's behavior. Every single reply that we got was its own individual cry for help. We got, my pitbull's eating my socks. What should I do? My pitbull's pregnant. What should I do? My pitbull just had puppies. What should I do? I need to get my pitbull spayed or neutered. You know, can you help me? We even got a couple of, my pitbull doesn't like other dogs. Can you help me? It was like folks saw the words pitbull. And the word help in the ad, and they thought, oh my gosh, finally someone to help me with my pit bull. It was like they didn't even read it. They just saw those words and reacted. And that was really overwhelming to have that many people asking you for help. We researched every single question and tried to find answers for every single person and took about a week to get back to everybody. Maybe they didn't, you know, have good computer knowledge or maybe they didn't have good surfing skills on the internet, who knows, but we tried to help each person. When we were done trying to help each person about a week later, I just thought to myself like, I have got to put another ad out there. I have to see what happens. I need to know what happens. So I put out a second ad about a week later and that ad was a total lie 
and it said that I was looking for anyone that would like to have their dog play with our dog who was a pit bull. We were looking for a pit bull play date. Total lie, but I just wanted to see what would happen. And I didn't think that this was going to happen. It seems like it makes so much sense now, so many years later, but I didn't think this was going to happen. We got almost the exact same amount of replies in the exact same time frame. So we got another 80-ish replies in less than three days again. And this time, three of the replies were actually saying that they wanted to have the play date. All of the rest of them were brand new cries for help. We didn't have one duplicate, not one. So now we had about 150 people with dogs that were perceived as pit bulls in their homes with problems and crying out for help. And for me, that was enough. For me, that was absolutely enough. And literally that day, I started an organization. And so um, we incorporated in September of 2008. And the name of the organization at that time was called the Brew City Bully Club. So we're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And in case you didn't know, we drink and make a lot of beer here. We make a ton of different kinds of beer. And people make beer just like in their houses. And we drink beer wherever and whenever we possibly can. And we're known, at least in the Midwest, as being the brew city. We produced Miller products for a really long time. We're responsible for Pabst, if that's your bag, (laughs) you know, whatever. But anyway, so we have always kind of been known as the brew city. So it was the Brew City Bully Club is what started. And we started out having five different initiatives that were directly related to the 150 cries for help that we had. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to advocate for people type dogs and educate people that were scared of them. We wanted to provide owner support for people that needed help with their dogs. We wanted to do a spay and neuter program in that owner support area. We wanted to explore the amount of dog fighting that might have been going on in Milwaukee and around the country. We wanted to see what that was all about and how we could help to end dog fighting. And then, of course, we wanted to do a little bit of rescue because we're human and pitbull type dogs are adorable and they are homeless often. And so we wanted to be part of that. Obviously, some of the cries for help that we got, um, a good deal of them were people that said that they couldn't keep their dog anymore and could we take it. So those were the five initial programs that we wanted to start. Advocacy, owner support, spay and neuter ending dog fighting and rescue. Now, over the years, doing all of that, we found was incredibly, incredibly difficult. Every book that I read on nonprofit management said that you should have one thing that you do and you should do it really well. And we had that plus four extra things. And so we had to dial some stuff in, figure things out. This is a really fluid type of, you know, animal welfare is a really fluid area. So over the years, you know, we kind of fine-tuned and decided what we could do more and more and more. What we do today is advocacy and owner support and a little bit of rescue still. But 
we don't have that same name anymore, right? We're not the Brew City Bully Club. So what happened with that is in 2019, last year in April, my associate director, Victoria, and I went to a Humane Society of the United States Expo. It was the first expo that we were ever able to attend. We were super duper stoked to go to that. And if you're not really familiar with the expo, it's like four days of seminars and workshops and just awesome learning opportunities. And there's a big vendor expo during it. And you can pick what classes you want to attend and there's a whole variety of animal welfare topics. So any types of animals, rescue stuff, veterinary stuff, fundraising stuff, event things, you know, it's about nonprofit, it's about animal welfare, it's about the whole nine yards. One of the things that made it imperative that we go to that expo, that that was the first one that we needed to attend was a seminar called Pitbull's what are we going to do? And with a title like that, I mean, like, seriously, how were we not going to be able to go? Like, we had to go. So it also was a seminar that was on the last day of the whole conference. And we had been to a ton of seminars in the days previous. And some seminars we'd walk into, there'd be like a dozen people, some that we'd walk into that were more popular, there would be maybe 75 or 100 people. And then there was, you know, everything in between. We walked into Pitbull's, what are we going to do? And it was a room about three times the size of any room that we had been in thus far. And there was probably roughly 250-ish people in that room. And it was unbelievable to me that, and, and really encouraging to me, that this many people were interested in this question. So we were totally, totally like nerd, front row, front and center, got there early, literally the front row in the exact middle of the whole room. And once the seminar started, we found out that the person that was supposed to do the lecture was sick. And so this gentleman was going to fill in for her and he was going to give us a short PowerPoint presentation. And then after that, he was just basically going to make it into like a town hall style meeting. And so they would put microphones up in the aisles and then they were going to have a floating microphone and anybody that thought that they could answer a question that was posed at one of the in, you know, in one of the aisles, anybody could raise their hand and try to answer the question. So this became really interesting. The PowerPoint that he did for this room full of you know, hundreds of people had some inaccurate information in it, which I found really concerning. And I was bummed out about that. But he was doing the best that he possibly could on really short notice, I'm sure. And then the people started asking their questions. And I had a serious flashback to 2008. I mean, it was basically all of these people in animal welfare from shelters and rescues and other organizations from all over the country standing in front of a microphone and begging for help with pitbulls. It boggled my mind. There was an executive director of a small municipal run shelter in Louisiana, I believe, And they were still not allowed to adopt out pit bull type dogs 
they had to euthanize anything that they perceived to be a pit bull. I was still so ignorant last year in 2019. I had convinced myself somehow that that wasn't going on in our country anymore. I have no idea how I convinced myself of that. Maybe I just really didn't want to believe it, but that was thrown in front of my face. And what she wanted was to know what type of strategy should she use to try to get the board to change that policy. There was a woman from North Carolina that was just asking how to talk to her family about pitbull type dogs because it was such a political conversation with her family and it got so heated so quickly that she could never make any headway. She didn't know how to advocate to her family. There were questions about how to get owners to participate in owner support type of projects, you know, like maybe where people were offering low to no cost shots, vaccinations, microchips, spays and neuters, things like that. So it was just all of these questions. And the difference between 2008 and 2019 at this conference was that this time I knew a lot of the answers. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back or to tell you all that I'm fabulous. I just learned in the last 20 years so many things, and especially since 2008 in the last 12 years, what to do in those situations and what worked and what didn't. And I have failed so many times and fallen on my face, but I've learned from each of those times and have become a better advocate because of it. So this was just an overloading, overwhelming 90 minutes of my life. And I can be a really emotional person sometimes. And then other times I can be just solid as a rock. And I don't really know sometimes which one's going to happen. But we left the conference center and we got out of it and we started walking back to the hotel. We got about a block away from the conference center. And I immediately just started bawling, just fell apart. And Victoria, who has known me for many years and has been by my side during so much advocacy, looked at me and she was like, man, what, you know, like, what's going on? What are you thinking? And I was like, we have to do something. We have to help. Those people need and deserve help and answers. And we might not be able to help them or we might be able to help them a little bit or we might be able to help them a ton, but we have to do something. And so, to be honest, we went and got some really big beverages that may or may not have had alcohol in them. And we sat by our pool at the hotel and I cried a little bit more. And then we started brainstorming. So again, it was just such a flashback to 2008 because that day I started this organization. And this day in 2019, we decided to change the organization from the Brew City Bully Club to become Pitbull Advocates of America and to change our strategy of advocacy to being really just here in our hometown for the most part. We've, we've been some other places and done some other things, but not necessarily on purpose. But that was it for me. It was like, okay, you know what? We've helped Milwaukee for the last 12 years. We're going everywhere now. We're going everywhere that needs us. We're going to do whatever it is that we need to do. 
So we're so excited for what this means and for the future. And, you know, here we are now starting our own podcast and, you know, looking to start these campaigns in all of these different cities all across the country. I'm so stoked for you all to hear our first few podcasts that we have coming up. We're going to be defining what the term pit bull, what that looks like, what that means. Man, I could talk about that for like three hours in, in itself, but we're going to do that. We're going to do like some advocacy 101, give you guys just a glimpse into what advocacy looks like at Pitbull Advocates of America, what might work wherever it is that you're listening from. We're going to have Rue Yori as a guest in the first few episodes here. He had Wallace the Pitbull. If you don't know who Wallace the Pitbull is, Google him. He was awesome, amazing little Pitbull. He had Hector the Pitbull from the Michael Vick case. And now he is known as the Canine Ninja for American Ninja Warrior. So we're going to have some interviews with Rue. We're going to talk about why Pitbulls make the perfect villain. That's really unfortunate, but it's something that as advocates we really need to know and understand and wrap our brains around. We're going to talk about fear and the different types of fear. That's super important in advocacy. We're going to talk about dog fighting. We're going to talk about the biggest dog fighting bust in United States history, which was the Missouri 500 on July 8th of 2009 and some other dog fighting busts. Also, we are going to talk about breed specific legislation. We're going to dive into that and we're going to breach the topic that you may or may not even know about because a lot of times in my seminars, most of the time in my seminars, people have no idea that this exists. But we're going to talk about the anti-movement. We're going to dive into that and unpack it and figure it out together. So that's what's coming up in roughly the next, I don't know, eight to ten episodes. If you haven't been to our website yet, please visit pitbulladvocates.org. Check out the advocacy pages. Check out all of the pages. See what's offered to you in your city, what you can do, and what you might be interested in. This episode, this was our first stab at this. I would love to just sit here and talk to you. I, I could really just sit and just talk advocacy for so much longer. And I'd love to dive into all of those topics that I just told you that our next episodes are going to include. But that's what the next episodes are for. So I'm going to shut up. I am just so excited to get out from behind this mic and meet you and work with you wherever you are. If you have a problem going on, you know, in your neck of the woods with dogs that are perceived as pipples and you don't know what to do, reach out to me. Michelle at pitbulladvocates.org. Reach out to me. Contact me there. Contact me through the website, whatever. But please do reach out and contact me. And I want to get to you, however that looks with COVID and with weird travel restrictions and with whatever. But I want to get to you. I want to FaceTime with you. I want to Zoom with you. I want to come to your city. I want to meet your common council. I want to do it all so incredibly badly. I'm geeking out again, aren't I? <laughs> so I need to bring it down here a little bit and end this podcast, even though I don't want to. So I hope that you guys enjoyed listening 
And I hope that this did a little something in you the way that it did for me. And I cannot wait to talk to you again really soon. God bless you all for everything that you're doing. And um, we'll talk again soon. I want to thank you for joining us today. I really hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, tell your friends and family. Click the share button on the app or take a screenshot and put it on your social media. Please consider taking the next step in advocacy, you guys, by visiting the website at pitbulladvocates.org. Order a bumper sticker, start a campaign in your area, or just ask us for help. I want to thank all of you who give financially to keep our mission moving forward. You can give now by simply texting PBAOA to 44321. We always appreciate your generosity. Oh, and don't forget to click subscribe. Apparently that's a really important part of this whole podcasting thing. Thank you all for being part of the solution and God bless you.